culture in the United States has dramatically impacted how we feel about our bodies. Many people are desperate for weight loss and body optimization. However, our thyroid plays a dramatic role in our ability to achieve our goals. If your thyroid is getting in the way of achieving your goals, we have the perfect guest to guide you. Dr. Doug is a health optimization physician. He is the founder of his telehealth practice, Optimal Human Health, where he and his team help patients optimize by reviewing genetics, extensive lab work, and functional testing. His six months program focus on lifestyle changes, customized supplementation protocols, hormone optimization and replacement, peptide protocols, and medications when needed. Dr. Doug left his role as a traditional healthcare model as an orthopedic surgeon to help educate his patients and followers on how to prevent the surgeries he was trained to perform. If you don't want to miss out on how to improve your hormonal health, bookmark this show and subscribe to our channel. It's a true privilege to have you on the show. Where are you from, Dr. Lucas? Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I live right now in Asheville, North Carolina. Lovely. How's the weather over there? It's great, right? Uh, it's actually kind of rainy and uh, miserable today, but usually it's great. Yeah. What inspired you to pursue medicine initially? Yeah, I had kind of a... Uh, a long journey to get into medicine. I went down several different pathways, including fine arts and even dance professionally as a ballet dancer before making a transition into into medicine. Um, but I, I went into medicine because I, I had some background from my family in it. I knew that there was, I, I was good at talking to people about what was going on with them. Um, and I was just, you know, fascinated by all the potential. So, uh, yeah, so I decided to make that make that leap and go down this medical journey pathway. How was it like being an orthopedic surgeon? You know, being an orthopedic surgeon was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I really enjoyed uh, the art of surgery. I really enjoyed working with my patients. Um, How was it like being an orthopedic surgeon? You know, it was a lot of fun being an orthopedic surgeon. Um, you know, I trained for a long time to be able to do what I did, and I really enjoyed the art of surgery. But where I got frustrated and why I ended up leaving the practice of orthopedic surgery is that I had no control over who was coming into my office. I, I would see many people that if I were able to work with them before they got to me, or sometimes years before they got to me, but I would be able to prevent what I ended up having to do from a surgical perspective. Uh, particularly true in the realm of, of diabetes and, and uh, other metabolic dysfunction. So I ended up leaving to pursue additional training to be able to do what I do now, which is to help prevent those things. That's wonderful. And I, I love the step that you took because I think that's exactly how medicine should be approached. What made you realize the healthcare system needed some adjustments? You know, gosh, uh, I think I knew that in training, you know, our system, obviously, uh, far from perfect. Um, and the more I, t I spent time in it, the more I realized how dysfunctional it was and really the direction that it was headed. And so um, I realized for me that um, I was really stuck in a position where I was, you know, I was paid to operate and I saw people that needed operations for the most part. Um, and that didn't allow me to really do the things that I felt like I was good at, which was helping people to understand how to, you know, not need the surgery. But even more so, I found that there really wasn't a great place to go. And these patients that were interested in optimizing their health, there was no one to talk to in the healthcare space that, that could help them do that. 
What happened in your in your during your studies that made you develop the talent of preventative care? You know, I <laughs> I think that's something that I I came in with. Um, you know, I like talking to people. I like listening to stories. I like hearing how people are tackling the things in their lives. Um, and I like educating. So I think all of that goes along well with listening to a patient and then not just telling them what to do, but telling them how to do it and also why they're going to do it, how, how they should do it. Um, so just educating them rather than just saying, here, take this or here, do this. Um, you know, that, that top-down approach I find isn't well-received. Yeah, I think people would actually follow through with what you prescribe if they know exactly what is going to happen and why they're taking it. Like personally, whenever I have anything healthy that I put into my diet, like what motivates me to take it is looking up all the benefits and like what exactly it's going to do for me. Right. And absolutely. I love that you incorporate that into your practice. What's your perspective on sick care? I had an interview with a doctor named Dr. Gordon. And she was a surgeon and she described our, our wellness system as sick care. Yeah. What do you think about the, that terminology? Yeah. Oh, I, I think she's right on, you know, and I, I look at the, what we call our healthcare system, right? It's the healthcare system, but there is nothing about our system that promotes health, right? We are, we are really aimed at treating sickness and disease and, um, you know, that is not to fault the people that are in it. It's just how the system has been developed over the last several decades. You know, there was a time when we talked more about health, but now the system makes money off of people being sick. The pharmaceuticals company make money off of people being sick. The doctors make money, right? So the whole system is designed around treating sickness, not promoting health and wellness. There's no money in promoting health and wellness in the traditional system. So it's really tough to do that. Yeah. And this might be a little off topic, but I'm curious to see your perspective on this. Um, I recently saw a clip online of Elon Musk saying that we have an underpopulation pro uh, problem, especially recently with like COVID and the dropping in testosterone and all of these toxic environmental factors like catching up to us in studies and not to mention whatever adverse effects of whatever vaccines are going on right now because of superbugs. What is your perspective on the overpopulation versus underpopulation? Yeah, I didn't I didn't listen to Elon talk about that. Um, I mean, I, you, I really think you can look at it either way. You know, there is a lot of discussion about overpopulation from a, a, a food supply perspective. Um, but even then, really, we waste so much of the food that we produce um, that I don't think that's true, although with our current system, it's it's probably approaching true. Um, as far as, you know, are we going to see underpopulation in our inability to to repopulate? Um, you know, maybe, you know, I, I test testosterone on every guy, well, and woman um, that comes through my practice. And I mean, I can say the same thing. You know, we see, I see very low levels of testosterone in, in men in their 20s and 30s, you know, and will that eventually become a problem? I mean, it is a problem, but will it prevent, uh, you know, procreation? Will it prevent population? Maybe at some point. Um, but we are living in a, a more toxic and toxic world and our ability to procreate is sort of being attacked from uh, from several angles. I'm really happy that we brought this because the more aware the public can be, the more that we could take steps to consciously 
focus on what we put in and on our bodies. Thank yeah. you for your opinion on that. So, Dr. Doug, what is a thyroid and what role does it play for the body in our mental health? Yeah, so the, the thyroid gland is the gland, you know, if you feel your neck, you know, the Adam's apple in your neck, it's right below it. It is, it's not a very big gland, but it is responsible really for maintaining the, you know, the metabolism and the speed of how basically everything in the body functions. You know, the, the hormones that it makes um, interact with basically everything. So it's someone, sometimes some people would call it sort of like the, the master, um, uh, you know, the, the master conductor of the metabolism or, you know, there are lots of words like that. But yeah, the, the, the thyroid is a, a very important um, uh, organ in the body to help with all kinds of metabolic regulation. Influence our thyroid. <laughs> lots of ways. Um, in the thyroid, you know, I said that it, it interacts with everything, but it's a two-way communication too. And so you know, a lot of people, when they come into our program, we'll get, we'll get testing and we'll say, okay, well, your thyroid is dysfunctional and your testosterone is low and your, you know, your adrenal glands are shot. But all of these things don't happen in independent vacuums. You know, they all sort of communicate. And so when our environment, which has the ability to affect all those things, be it through food, what we put on our skin, what we're exposed to, the stresses that we see, the things that we're watching on TV or through social media or whatever, all of those things can can wreak havoc on the adrenal glands, the immune system, the gut, you know, and so forth. And so all of those then can have a negative effect on the thyroid. So the thyroid is is uh, stimulated or depressed from, you know, I don't know, thousands or millions of potential inputs. Um, and so, yeah, it has a tremendous impact. Uh, the environment has a tremendous impact on the thyroid gland. So theoretically, somebody under a lot of stress their thyroid would be affected, hence their metabolism. And metabolism correlates with longevity too, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue kind of both ways. Um, but yeah, so stress has a really interesting response on the thyroid. Um, there are a couple of different ways to look at it, but one of the most simplistic ways, when I get a lab panel for thyroid, um, well, every lab panel, one of the tests we look at, and I know we'll get into the testing, but one of the tests we look at is the reverse T3 or the reverse version of the active form of thyroid. And that's a mechanism that your body put in place to be able to have a response to stress. So when you're under stress, elevated cortisol levels, your your body will actually prevent the cells from converting your storage form of thyroid to the free form free active form of thyroid, it'll create this reverse version of the same thing. And it's really to, to almost like <clears throat> if you were to imagine in your car, if your car wasn't working well, some, if, I don't know if you've, uh, some cars don't do this, but uh, if you push on the gas in a car where there's something wrong with the engine, it won't let it go. And that's kind of that same thing where like you're pushing on the gas and your body's saying, no, you know, like you can't do that. You're going to break your engine. And so it'll actually create reverse T3 or the free version of thyroid rather than the active form to prevent you from overdriving your, your engine. And, and what what are some symptoms we would feel if our thyroid's in reverse? Yeah. So you just you feel it, you feel symptoms of low thyroid. So there are a lot of ways that your thyroid can be dysfunctional or you can have what's called you know, functional hypothyroid or low thyroid symptoms. So, you know, the, the classic ones are, you know, feeling fatigued, um, uh, brain fog, uh, hard to get out of bed in the morning. Um, some signs on the outside would be like dry hair, uh, dry cracking skin, feeling cold, cold intolerance, you know, all those things. Constipation, the big one. 
Um, so those are common with low thyroid function across the board. And that's what you would feel if you had low thyroid function as a result of stress, because from the cellular perspective, it feels the same. It looks the same. Wow, that's incredible. That really brings on a lot of perspective. Thank you so much. Are thyroid problems hereditary as well? They can be. You know, they're... I did genetics on pretty much all the patients that go through my practice, and uh, there are some uh, genetic polymorphisms that look specifically at your ability to convert the storage form of thyroid to the free form of thyroid. Um, that's called the, the DIO2 or DIO1 enzyme. Um, and so that enzyme can be dysfunctional, and that is something that's genetically passed down. Um, also, your ability to use and your need of uh, minerals like selenium and, and um, um, iodine. And those are also genetically driven. And so for people that have that potential deficiency and then don't get enough through diet for whatever reason, you know, they're going to be more likely to have dysfunctional thyroid. And you can see that, you know, from generation to generation. If they supplement these minerals that they're lacking, would their, would their problem improve with their thyroid? Yeah, it sure could. Um, so one of the things we do when we see a dysfunctional thyroid uh, in, in an initial blood panel is typically not to replace it. So we look at, you know, how bad is it? <clears throat> Excuse me, how bad is it? And what are their symptoms like? Um, and then try to support it. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can support, you know, if those enzymes are dysfunctional, there are nutraceuticals that can kind of ramp up that enzyme function. Um, if they have deficiencies in iodine or in selenium or the potential for those genetically, then we can replace those. And yeah, we do see those improve. That's lovely. That's got brings a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. How how is a typical thyroid test done? Uh, so typically it's a blood test, and so um, you know we don't do that in isolation. We do it because we want to test the adrenal glands in the gut and everything in addition. But um, it's a blood test, and so when you do that blood test, what you'll usually see, and this is one of the the flaws in uh, in testing for the thyroid, is you people will just get a, what's called a TSH or a thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, and really, that's not actually testing the thyroid. It's secondarily testing the thyroid. So TSH comes from a different part of your, or comes from your brain, and it tells your thyroid what to do. Um, the TSH will go up and down based on your body's reaction to what's happening at the thyroid. So it's not even really what's happening at the thyroid. And so your TSH can be normal, and you can have a pretty dysfunctional thyroid. Um, and this, there are some genetics behind that, too. And so when I get a thyroid screen, I really want to know, yeah, I do want to know the TSHs, but I also want to know what is happening on the, the thyroid hormone perspective, T4, which is most of what your thyroid makes. That's the storage form of thyroid hormone. Um, what level of T4 and what level of free T4, since most of it's bound to a protein. Same thing with T3, which is the active form. So there's bound active and then there's free active. So I really want to know how much is being converted to T3, how much is free. Um, and then also the reverse T3. In addition to that, we also want to know if you have any um, autoimmunity against your thyroid. So then there's antibodies, two different antibodies that you can test for. So it ends up being a, a pretty big panel. Um, and we get this on all of our patients every six months, but most physicians uh, won't get it once and usually just screen with TSH. If someone were to want to get a thorough test done, um, are there more doctors like you or did you truly make a special practice? No, there are. Um, the challenge is where to find us. You know, there's a there's a small group of of doctors that are really into the the health optimization space. 
Um, fortunately, uh, you can. There are some self-test companies, and I, I don't know any off the top of my head, um, but there are some companies where these things are becoming more available, so you can actually test it yourself. But then finding somebody who can help you, you know, break it down, what to do with it, is a challenge. So it's out there. You just have to search for it. And, and one of the things I tell people over and over again is that you have to be an advocate for yourself. So if you don't feel right, if you feel like you have symptoms of hypothyroidism, keep looking. You don't. And then if you don't, what is it? <laughs> right? Because it's not. We're not supposed to feel bad. You know, that is not our our baseline. Right. Thank you. And I feel like that's great to hear for a lot of people. It gives them validation because I've been a victim of this as well, where we would go to our physician and they'll treat us with the best of their knowledge, but they'll say, oh, well, you're fine. Your blood work's fine. Vitamins fine. Hormones fine. But it is the vitamins and the hormones they're checking that are fine. That's what well, I they're also that. using, yeah, they're using reference ranges to tell you that they're fine. And, and you know, a reference range is is just statistically around average and our population is sick. So I don't want to be potentially two standard deviations below average. That's not fine. It's not even good. It's not even close to good. That really brings a lot of perspective. I can see a contingency with how the military and the police academy drop their mm -hmm. standards. It just it, everything goes down, right? As we get as we get sicker, everything the average goes down and actually testosterone is a great example that you brought up earlier. So you know, for men, the average testosterone is continuing to drop precipitously, you know, decade by decade. So now you can, you know, you can be in your 20s and you can have a testosterone below 300 and it's considered normal, but that's terrible and you're not going to feel good. Um, and then, you know, a great example actually is for women, you know, you can have <laughs> free thyroid hormone for women because of the the drop in hormones after menopause. I mean, normal includes zero. And so that's, definitely not optimal, you know, but yeah, you go to your doctor like, well, it's normal. Like, yeah, it was zero is normal. So that's not really helping me. It doesn't help me feel better. It doesn't help me maintain muscle mass or have energy. You know, it's like you really have to understand, you have to read into the numbers and understand like, what is our goal here? You know, is, if it's to optimize our health, if it's to improve our, our lean muscle mass, when you're talking about testosterone, um, you know, what's optimal? What are we actually going for? Uh, are you in a, are you in the United States? Yeah, we're um, in Asheville, North Carolina, and then we serve about ten states right now um, that I'm licensed in. I was wondering, is the testosterone problem a United States problem, or is it worldwide? You know, the studies that I follow are are United States um, data. I would imagine, and I, I hear this because I have colleagues in other countries that they're seeing the same thing. Um, I don't see the the data from other countries, but. If, if it's not true right now, then it will be because everybody's, you know, every country is essentially following this, this westernization pathway, right, of obesity, diabetes, and, and chronic disease. So I, if they're not there, they will be soon. Yeah, I wonder what the differences are between like Europe, like Europe, Europe how they out, they banned a lot of chemicals that we use in the United States. I wonder right. how those tests look like in comparison. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's possible they could be better because of that, um, or because they have in, in Europe, depending on the country, they have different lifestyles. Um, you know, they eat a different food, they don't have the same grains we have, they don't have a lot of the same eating habits that we have, um, you know, less, less demands from a work perspective. And so, yeah, they, there are a lot of reasons why they could have 
higher levels of testosterone, but the substances and the, the pollutants, the environmental toxins, it's certainly one of them. Are thyroid problems common nowadays because of the circumstances? Uh, very, very common, you know, and it depends on how you look. It depends on how you're looking at the data. But I will say that levothyroxine, which is the traditional pharmaceutical prescribed for, for low thyroid, is always in you know the top three, if not the top uh, medication prescribed worldwide. So yes, it's extremely common. What are three red flags somebody should get thyroid attention? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we're talking about low thyroid, um, which is what most people have, uh, you know, the things that, that most people will, will complain about coming in and we see a thyroid dysfunction, um, probably going to be low energy. So, you know, difficult to getting out of bed, just feeling, you know, people will use the terms chronic fatigue that kind of have a has a, a dirty name to it because of chronic fatigue syndrome, but it just feel slow all the time. Um, and uh, I would say constipation is one that people don't talk about as much, but is extremely common and related to hypothyroid. Um, and then cold intolerance is the other one that I hear. Wow. People are like, why? Like, why am I always wearing a jacket and like nobody else is? What about hypo or hyperthyroid? I hyper, yeah, hyper. Yeah. So when the thyroid is is going too fast, which is is not nearly as common, um, and generally associated either with autoimmunity or with over treatment of low thyroid, um, but that's going to be more like um, you know you can actually feel your heart rate increasing, um, and you can get really fast. Um, anxiety, sweating, um, you kind of like feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. Uh, and, and if you're feeling those symptoms, you're going to want to get, you're going to want to go somewhere quickly. You know, you want to get evaluated quickly because that can lead to a problem much faster than low thyroid. Do optimization physicians like, like you take insurance? Sometimes um, we don't. We're an all cash practice. Um, and we do that very intentionally because we're able to offer our services for less. When you get outside of the insurance model, you can negotiate with testing companies, with lab companies, and you can actually negotiate rates that are, you know, 10% of insurance rates. When you're in a hybrid model, which is where some practices will go, it's really tough um, because you get stuck either paying the insurance rates or the cash rates, and sometimes you're in between, and it just is so time-consuming for both the practice and the patient, and very frustrating for both sides. So. We just say that we are in a space where we're optimizing health. And if you feel like you want to have health that is better than the expectations of the traditional medical system, then you need to look at it as like your car where you want to, you know, put fuel in your car, you want to put in better fuel, you want to, you know, tint your windows or you want to jack up your truck, your insurance isn't going to pay for those things. You know, so you want to drive a nice truck, you want to drive a nice car, you're going to pay for that in cash. And the same thing's true with your body. It kind of reminds me of like customizing like you can have like we can run like and I feel like that's what the traditional healthcare sounds like. Like they'll have you running like you function. Right. That's right. But <laughs> you're not going to have that turbocharger. <laughs> yeah. Like, you you know, you, you pull your car out of the shop and you're like, you're like it stalls out at the first stoplight. You're like, well, no, this isn't good. And they're like, no, man, it runs. Yeah. Right. It, passed it the got stop. you. It got you to the stoplight. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. I don't want my body to do that. Amen. And I and I feel for the people who don't even know how it feels like to be healthy, because yeah. when I was in high school and I'm 25 now, so I know like the generation coming up now, they're having like way lower intensity when it comes to like the workouts I used to do in high school. Cause 
If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's like, it was crazy. During my generation, a girl, there was like wealthy kids in my school and a girl trying to threaten the phys ed teacher to like that she was going to sue her for forcing her to work out and that she's like, she has rights. And and it changed, it made a whole controversy in the school. And now like P, like PE was all voluntary and nobody really volunteers for that and so if I saw that in my generation like I can only imagine how it is now and so I I met like people in my wrestling team that didn't know how to flex their quads or biceps like they would get a light injury and then the the trainer would come and try to evaluate them they're like flex your muscle let me see if it's working and they're like like this (laughs) and I was like concerned I was like you never been on monkey bars like i don't know yeah maybe not maybe not i know it's a whole um i think multiple generations that have no idea um no idea what hard means from a physicality perspective yeah and it's true in my generation too you know i mean it most most people that are, are working out aren't really working out you know going and sitting on your peloton yeah it's better than not sitting on your peloton but Boy, it's not really working out hard. How can we take steps to heal our thyroid? Yeah, thyroid health is um, it's a big picture thing. You know, like I said, when we see somebody that has a dysfunctional thyroid, we don't generally jump to replacing it unless they're very symptomatic. Um, so we look at the the supplementation side, we look at the genetic side, and we make sure that those things are covered. But then it's it's a big picture. You know, are you getting enough nutrients? Are you getting nutrients that are causing you inflammation? Do you have issues with your gut that we need to test into and, and correct for? Um, you know, do you have leaky gut? Do we need to correct that? Do you have adrenal dysfunction? You know, so it's it, again, you have to kind of take a big picture approach. Now, fortunately, you know, if you're doing this on your own, um, fortunately, a lot of these things are basic, basic lifestyle stuff. Like, make sure you're getting enough sleep. You know, like my, my patients, will, they laugh. They're like, man, you just like, we just had this whole thing. And like the, the biggest part of it was you told me to like get enough sleep. I'm like, yeah, that's because it's important. Um, and uh, obviously we do more than that. But, you know, getting enough sleep is, is, is important. And for most people, that's eight to nine hours of in bed time or seven to eight hours of actual sleep time. And so if you don't know how efficient your sleeping is, track it with something. Lots of different trackers out there. Um, and then make sure you're getting enough nutrition. You know, there's so many people that are chronically dieting, trying to hit that goal weight. Um, and they're just in a position now where they're just chronically malnourished. Um, it's time to time to break that cycle, um, put on some muscle mass um, and uh, and actually get your metabolism working in the right direction. So, you know, make sure you're getting enough nutrition. Um, and then if you want to lose weight, then work with somebody who can help you to, to go back and forth to get that weight off. Um, and then uh, make sure you're, you are actually doing some activity. So you don't have to be a, you know, a bodybuilder or, you know, a, an ultra runner, although actually marathon runners have really pretty dysfunctional thyroids. Um, 
you know, but you, we do need to move. Our bodies need to move. And we're in a, a culture where we are so, um, we're, we're just so stuck behind computers and on the couch and, you know, stress leads to even more of that. And so less and less of us are getting active and less and less of us are getting after it. So you need to get after it. Uh, and then lastly, you know, figuring out where you are on the stress spectrum, you know, how much stress do you have? Where is it coming from? How can you mitigate that? Um, and, you know, for some people, that's simply just being aware of it. For some people, it's, you know, actively, you know, meditating and, um, you know, doing that kind of thing twice a day or, you know, heart math. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do it, but you have to, you have to try to mitigate stress because we're all around a ton of stress. Um, and then, so that's all the lifestyle stuff. Um, I can keep going forever, but that's a good starting point. <laughs> yes, I agree. And I'm. I feel like this is going to help people be more aware because I I feel like we're addicted to stress in a way. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining because like, even though life is hard, like we have to pay bills, we have responsibilities. Like, I feel like our body still craves. And I think that's why working out is really great. But it still craves like that chase in the hunt. Like, and yeah. I feel like that's why sometimes like we have a lot of right fighters in the world. Right. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, we are in, um, I'm going to forget the name of the author, um, but the a book I just finished recently called The Comfort Crisis, uh, he does a great job of, of talking about, you know, like we are, we are in a, a condition now which is totally unknown to the human brain, which is like we're too comfortable. Our brain doesn't know what to do with that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really good at responding to certain stresses, but not the stress of being too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the stress of finding so much gratification like if we look at it like if we look at the body as a machine and see that we're getting like so much dopamine like flashes of it all the time it it makes it so hard to have the discipline to enjoy delayed gratification which is like the supreme reward yeah not only delayed gratification but also i mean even just sitting in discomfort you know it's so difficult to for a lot of people and especially kids you know i have young kids um for them to sit in discomfort for even a second because they're so used to that constant gratification um and it is that's really difficult to train something that really blew my mind recently with uh ice plunges Mm -hmm. is like the spirit like the discipline and the mental aspect and then the physical effects like hormonally with dopamine Mm -hmm. um are you familiar with the study that said that uh, ice cold shocks for at least 45 seconds, I think to a minute, could um, 2x your amount of dopamine? You, um, you know, I haven't seen the studies on dopamine and ice plunge, but it doesn't surprise me. I've, I've read a lot of studies on on ice therapy. Um, I, yeah, I'm a huge, huge advocate and I'm trying to figure out how to get one in my house right now. Yeah. I mean, right now, I don't have a lot of space. I just put on because what I saw in like the studies that I've looked up is we don't have to be in ice, ice, cold water. We have to be uncomfortable. And yeah. in my experience, it's like it when I put the cold water, I feel stressed. Like it makes me feel like like I want to cry, like I'm cringing. And when I when I felt that it gave me flashbacks of times in my life where it was like, maybe like very stressful times in my life where maybe trauma like high high strung stuff and I was like wow this reminds me of that and it was like healing too because I got to reevaluate that and be like 
oh, so that anger and sadness and pain, it's not anger, sadness and pain. It's just stress. Right. Because I felt the same thing with the ice and that was not emotional. And that was one part of the healing. Then the other part was I felt so many less mood swings. Like I have ADHD and what blew my mind this year is I, my neurologist told me that ADHD is could be a dopamine deficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've run into that too. Um, I think that the just the idea that we are stressing ourselves. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of science behind cold therapy, but just the getting uncomfortable part, and that's one of the things I stress to my patients and I talk about on social all the time. It's just like, what have you done to get uncomfortable lately? You know, um, and so it can be as simple as taking a cold shower, right? I mean, most of us have a shower, and most of us have the capacity to not turn it on all the way. <laughs> that's all it takes. Um, but you have to have the discipline to to do it, you know. And once you do it for a while, like that's where I am. Is you know, I used to, I I've done a lot of cold therapy in different ways, um, but I mostly take cold showers, and now my mostly cold shower isn't uncomfortable anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So now I need like, what's the next level? And it's be some some commercial cold plunge uh, product, which is going to end up right inside my office here. Oh, so you're up to that level where you need something super cold. Yeah. And actually I just sat in one yesterday, a friend of mine who has what I was looking at and it's, it's perfect. goes down to 39 degrees, circulates. It's great. That's, that's fantastic. How do you, I would love to know and ask for the audience. I'm, I'm sure that you're using the biohacking techniques. How do you feel on a daily basis? And do you remember the time of like, before you started these practices, how you felt? Mm. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. So, um, yeah, we talked about this, uh, my wife and I talked about this recently. So back when I was operating um, as an orthopedic surgeon full-time, you know, we, we take call, we're up in the middle of the night, we have crappy sleep habits, um, tend to de-stress with alcohol, like, you know, all the usual stuff. Um, and I was pretty miserable, um, just uh, uncomfortable in my own skin. I wasn't, you know, significantly overweight, but I certainly wasn't toned. I didn't feel good. I felt inflamed all the time. Um, you know, like I didn't have as much of a libido. I just was, I was just doing, you know, what I needed to do. And I was great at it, you know, and I enjoyed what I was doing, but I didn't feel good. Um, had a hard time getting out of bed, you know, and, um, and it's just constantly back and forth, tons of coffee and then wine, you know, just like this back and forth. Um, when I finally got out of that and I started focusing on, you know, what does my body really need? Um, you know, getting enough sleep, making sure I'm prioritizing that, getting to bed on time, not watching TV every night. Uh, you know, I don't drink anymore. I haven't had a drink in, I don't know, it's been somewhere between one and two years or something. So uh, you cut all those things out and then all of a sudden you feel great. Like when I get up in the morning, I mean, I get up ready to tackle the day. I get up and um, nothing slows me down. You know, I actually shifted my workouts to be in the afternoon because I still have enough energy when I'm done, you know, doing all the work that I have to do in the office. I still have enough energy to get after it in the gym, right? So I'm working out now from, you know, whatever, four to five thirty or whatever that time frame is. Um, and I feel good. And so, yeah, like that, you know, working out after work it never, it never could have happened before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a totally different thing. And, and now when I, when I do, you know, something causes me to, to have to cut sleep short or, you know, something's bothering my habits. Um, I feel it, you know, I recently just had a scenario where I was, traveling a lot, sleep cycles were off, uh, lots of stress, 
and um, I was cutting sleep short or, you know, getting up early to do whatever. And I, I hit a wall. I just was like, I feel terrible. I have to back down. Um, and so it did. Now I feel great. You know, and so all it took was just getting back into the right habits. That's awesome. That really. So how, how soon did you feel the impact of getting off your routine? Like, was it a couple of days or was it like as soon as it got off, you were like, this is not right. You know, I, I was uh, it was I would call it a couple of weeks. It was really a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, relatively tolerant to it, uh, knew I was doing it relatively tolerant to it. And then I did. I just hit a wall where, you know, I couldn't uh, you know, my decision making around food was off and you know, I wasn't. You know, I, I didn't even feel like going to bed, even though I was exhausted. I mean, I just got to this point where I was like, oh, this feels familiar, right? Like, you're like, gosh, I think I need something to to wind me down at night, right? Like, I'm like, wow, you should actually just go to bed and you don't need something to wind you down. Oh, that that's my inner narrative, like almost every night. <laughs> but you know what? That's going to that's gonna humble me because now I know I have to start working harder. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've learned too in this space. I meet some amazing people. Um, and, you know, as soon as you think that you're hard and that you're, you know, you're training hard and that you're disciplined, um, you know, you meet the next person who's just crushing it and, you know, they make your discipline look like, you know, my kids in a candy store. Um, <laughs> and it just, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's humbling to know, you know, what people have been able to do and what people are able to do. Um, but I love it because you keep seeing it and you say like, wow, I need to move the goalposts, you know, like I can, I can do so much more, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm doing so much more now than I was, you know, even when I was, you know, practicing as an orthopedic surgeon, which is a, you know, pretty high set point. Um, but now I'm able to, you know, just really functionally do more impact more, um, and also have energy to be at home and be a great dad and a great partner. Yeah, it sounds like you and your wife are a power couple. I love that she's into she's a dietitian. Yeah, so she's a, she has her PhD. She's a, a registered dietitian, and she runs a, a nationwide um, weight loss company. So That's she's wonderful. she's a busy girl, um, but and also you know talk about impact. You know they're serving upwards of uh, six thousand people a year. And so really helping people to make metabolic shift and lose weight. Um, and that's uh, PhD weight loss and nutrition. If we were to go on your website, would her, would her information be on the website as well? I'm not on my website. Um, she's on my website. It's probably in her bio somewhere, but we try to keep them relatively separate uh, so that they're not too confusing because uh, our focus isn't weight loss, although people do lose weight when they work with us. But um, so uh, her, yeah, so she's uh, I, the what. The name that I just mentioned, if you go to that URL, you'll find her. Um, or if you look up her name, Ashley Lucas, I think she's pretty well SEO'd. If our audience would like to get guidance from you, uh, what's the best way they can reach you? Yeah, so if you just go to our website, probably the best way. So at optimalhumanhealth.com. And on, on that website, um, there are multiple ways to contact us. So our phone number is on there. There's a form you can fill out and we'll get back to you. But generally the pathway is, contact us one way or another, um, either me or one of my team will meet with you and talk about what your needs are and see if we're a good fit and then talk about how we can make that program work. What are the 11 states that you practice in? Yeah, so let's see here. So um, North Carolina, where I am, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, um, Tennessee, Ohio, uh, Texas, Colorado, California, Wyoming, and I 
think that's it because I had an 11th um, that was just a, a temporary certificate during COVID. I'm pretty sure that's expired. Are you going to come to New York soon? Well, are you going to open in New York soon? New York's tough. New York has really tough telehealth laws. Um, so if you want to, uh, you should have a whole topic on this. So New York, New Jersey, and Rhode Island have laws that prohibit you from seeing patients in other states or prohibit me from seeing patients in those three states. And one of the ways they do that is by forcing us to use insurance for labs, which is... Um, I think a complete crock because it is essentially the lab companies working with the insurance companies to, mm -hmm. to force doctors out of the equation. Um, and so instead of me getting a lab panel for you at, you know, whatever, $400, they make us use the insurance cost, which puts it at like $3,000. So then like, I can't, I don't have any, I can't make enough profit to pay for that. Um, so I don't see patients in those three states and I won't get licensed in those three states for that reason. And I have people in those three states that really want to work with me, but I just, I can't get around those laws. Man. Wow. I, you know, God, God bless your practice. I hope everything wins in your favor because what you're doing is very important to the longevity of our species. And I don't think a lot of people understand how much you're impacting the trajectory of where we're headed and i hope that what you're doing becomes a common practice yeah thanks sam and we're we're growing and we're building and uh yeah my goal is to this that this platform is not just about me that this platform is about you know multiple providers um seeing people in in, in their own way which is similar to mine <laughs> what is in um what is a transformation you've witnessed with one of your clients that impacted your perspective today yeah gosh you know um i think my favorite transformations are generally around diabetes you know so most people um most people think that diabetes is something that you you get it and it's like a you know it's like heart disease like once you get it like you can't get rid of it and you have to take medications for the rest of your life um, but it's not true. Um, diabetes is, is not really a, a medical problem. It's a nutrition problem. And um, it's a nutrition problem with really bad outcomes. And if you treat it like that, if you focus on the nutrition side and help people to steer away from the pharmaceuticals, you can actually get them off of usually all of their drugs. Um, and if not all of them, at least most of them and get their blood sugar normal off of insulin and prevent all the potential complications of diabetes. When you do that, then all of a sudden their thyroid works better. Their testosterone levels normalize their immune system gets better. Like they feel amazing. Um, so the, those are kind of my favorite stories. Um, but we get, you know, we have stories from, from high performing individuals and, you know, professional level athletes to, you know, to people that are really struggling with diabetes and, and other sort of chronic conditions. So it's it's a broad field, but it's a lot of fun. It's incredible because exa what you're targeting is like the number one life takers in the United States. And my mom was diabetic. I I would think about like a doomsday scenario. Like what would she do without insulin? She's connected to a pump. Like that was something that always concerned me. So I'm sure that you give a lot of hope to people listening right now who feel like they're doomed after their diagnosis. And I'm I'm happy that Dr. Doug and I are here to confirm that it's not a sentence and we can make daily choices that will better our situations and we're rooting for you guys. Dr. Doug, you ready for some rapid fire? Sure, hit me. 
what would be a book title about you if your worst enemy wrote it? Um, boy, I would say probably uh, The Angry Man. <laughs> it's a life past, but it's still there. At what time of day do you get your best work done? 6 a.m. What are three books you'd recommend my audience and why? Mm, um, I Gosh, really depends on the audience. But I think... Um, I would go old school, like The Primal Blueprint from Mark Sisson. It's a book that really changed my trajectory from just looking at nutrition and health. Um, I think for guys, No More Mr. Nice Guy is a, a really great book about um, you know how men are raised in a society by women and not by men over the last couple of generations and the impact of that. Um, and then... Oof, so many good choices. Um, maybe Outwitting the Devil, an old classic. That sounds like an interesting one. Have you do you ever have you ever read um any books from the Kabbalah? Ah. There's a book called The Autobiography um by or of Satan, but it's written by a Kabbalah company. I know there's similar mm -hmm. titles out there. But it brought so much perspective. Like the narrator, the one like talking in the book, is like a Satan himself. And mm -hmm. he's like, the whole book is every chapter on how he tempts you, like every style, every psychological yeah. trick. And then he says, the messed up thing is you'll read this and I'll still be able to do it. Like yeah. they capture his personality in a very funny way. Yeah, that actually sounds a lot like uh, Winning the Devil. Yeah, he, he talks, it's like a, an interview with the devil. So what is your intention, your true north with health optimization position when, when uh, if one of our listeners are inspired to contact you? Um, from a business perspective or a patient perspective? Patient perspective. Yeah, you know, the, the, the true north is, you know, let's figure out where you are and where you want to be. And then. Thank you, Dr. Doug. I love speaking to you. It's, what you're doing is inspiring and I'll, I'm looking forward to following your journey. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, it's been nice chatting with you. Appreciate it. <laughs> to support Dr. Lucas and his mission to provide quality content for those who want to improve their health, follow him on his social media and check out his website and YouTube channel. Dr. Lucas' website, social media links, and YouTube channel will be on the description below. Thyroid conditions can be hellish to experience without guidance, and I encourage you to work with Dr. Douglas if you're ready for healing and change. If you found value in our content, please tag us on social media with your insights. All feedback is welcome and helps us serve our fellow Matrix members. To stay up to date with our Matrix mentors and what we have in store for you, bookmark our website and subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. It was great to have you with us on the Organic Matrix Show and we'll see you on the following download.